0: Welcome to Eurodollar University with Jeff Snyder. My name is Emil Kalinowski, and we are recording this on the 23rd of June 2022, the same day that U.S. factory growth is reportedly at a two year low, nearly a two year low. According to the S&P Global Manufacturing PMI, it is now at 52.4 in June, which sounds bad. It was 57 in May but the expectations were 56, (laughs) way off. Jeff, that's just one of the economic releases that we wanna talk about that are suggesting something bad is happening to the American economy, the global economy. What other data points are you seeing that you wanna bring to the audience attention right now?
1: Well, that's a good one to start with, the S&P Global Manufacturing PMI, because as you said, Emil, and as we've been saying since last October, the global economy has been experiencing, dealing with, maybe not facing up to an inventory problem. And to me, what was important about the, manu- the S&P Global Manufacturing is not only is it focused on the U.S. domestic manufacturing sector, while the uh, PMI was, what was the number, 52.4? yes. The part that we're always more interested in is new orders, new orders, new orders, new orders, because that is forward looking. That is customers saying to manufacturers, hey, we still got a lot of inventory, but we still want you to make we want you to make more stuff because we think it'll it, we reasonably believe it's going to sell. And for the first time since the middle of 2020, and S&P's Globals, which used to be IHS Market, they merged now it's S&P Global. S&P Global's PMI for the first time since the middle of 2020, the new orders component fell below 50, which suggests that we're starting to see customers, mostly retailers, but also wholesalers say, hey, something has changed here. We've got a lot of goods in our warehouses. We've rented and bought boats to store goods because we thought the economy, as everybody said last year, this is an inflationary red hot economy that's going to continue on forever forward. So we bought a lot of goods, we've got a tons of goods. And as it turns out, we're having a lot of trouble selling them. Now in an inventory cycle, what usually happens is retailers start to realize they have too much inventory, but they don't necessarily immediately cut back on orders. They kind of ride it out for as long as they can because they they want to smooth over the process. This is something we talked about last September, looking forward to this very moment in time when the inventory would become too much where the global economic demand picture would become too questionable and retailers would say, enough. We can't take it anymore. We're cutting back on our orders from factories. We don't want any more goods. And this is what economists call the bullwhip effect, where inventory piles up and then it leads to a sharp contraction in in manufacturing activity that then uh, creates all sorts of feedback mechanisms throughout the real economy. So we've seen it, as Emil and I talked about not long ago, and we saw retailers like Target and Walmart say, eh, we've got too much inventory. And now we have S&P Global's PMI saying it can't just be Target and Walmart. This has to be a widespread downturn inventory cycle phenomenon.
0: We saw something similar in 2018 for similar reasons. We were told the economy was recovering from some sort of strange downturn in emerging markets and. In 2018, it started to all turn south, but this time, Jeff, we expect it to be worse, this inventory liquidation cycle, because the inventory numbers we've been reporting have been growing at historic levels, historic rates. So we've got historic levels to work our way down from. What about some other data that you are concerned about that's in the news recently?
1: It's not just manufacturing. We also have negative or weak or downturn, recession, whatever you want to call them, indications and in services. Coincident to the S&P Global's manufacturing PMI, they also came out with their services PMI, which then creates the composite PMI. And if you look at the composite PMI and track that against real GDP, they have a pretty damn close relationship between what S&P is saying across manufacturing as well as services sentiment and how it works out in GDP. Now, people probably remember first quarter GDP in the United States was negative. Current estimates are that it's probably going to be slightly negative in the second quarter too, maybe slightly positive. It doesn't really matter at this point. What we're saying is weak economy either way. And then S&P Global today saying, yes, not only is manufacturing well below what we thought it would be, services is down below too. The composite PMI was, let me check here, 51.2, which doesn't sound bad, right? Because it's on the plus side of 50, but normally you see the composite up around 55 as a sort of quasi lackluster reflationary economy. 51 is really not good. 51 is middle of 2019 bad. That is on the verge of recession like we were in 2019. So not just manufacturers, also services which also has its own structural problems, its own lingering problems from 2020, which is the services economy never came back, not even close. Whereas the goods economy had been boosted by all sorts of artificial means, particularly Uncle Sam's helicopters last year, that came at the expense of services spending. If you look at the PCE numbers, for example, uh, real spending on services is not even where it was when we started this thing in 2020. So if services is starting to weaken from a reposition that's never recovered from 20, not even from 2020, let alone get back
0: to where it should be, that's also trouble. According to trading economics, this composite increase, so the spread between 50 and the eventual 51.2, was the second weakest since July 2020, with slower service sector output growth and the first contraction in manufacturing production in two years. Manufacturers and service providers experienced slower job growth, with the rate of total job creation slowing to its lowest since February. On the price freight input inflation eased to the slowest in five months, while output charges rose at the feeblest pace since March 2021. Finally, firms were markedly more pessimistic regarding the outlook for production over the coming months, amid a worsening outlook for inflation and growth.
1: You know what the other thing is, Emil. At 51.2, the composite in May is where it was approximately the composite in January. Now in January, everybody said, this is Omicron. The, North, the entire Northeast had kind of partially shut, shut down before. So here we are in May, there's no new variant, there's no new lockdowns, there's none of that stuff. And we're in the, at least according to the uh, S&P Global's PMI, the economy is operating as weak as it was when much of its most populous section and region was partially locked down. That's how bad things have gotten in a very short period of time. And it's not just the United States we see this around the rest of the world too. But today we're gonna to kind of focus on US data because cleanest of the dirty shirts, the US economy isn't as, isn't so clean as it is. What would you like to
0: cover next? Initial jobless claims? Let's we'll stick with manufacturing. Let's, okay. let's talk about the Kansas City Fed. Mm-hmm. I'll go ahead. I don't have it up here. Hand okay, Kansas. Well, the States- Kansas
1: City Fed has been one of the regional man. We we keep track of five primary regional manufacturing surveys because they seem to be relatively. Um, they correspond relatively closely with the overall manufacturing sector. That's Empire, which is New York Fed. That's Philly. That's Richmond. It's Dallas because heavy oil, and is Can- and Kansas City is the final one, which is kind of in the same area. So. Up until now, we've seen the Empire Fed crater. It's crashed. We saw the Philly Fed crash this month too, especially the New Orders component, which was down from like plus 23 to minus 12. Forget the exact numbers. I'm going off of memory, so forgive me. Um, Richmond Fed, not good. And it's, it's been the Kansas City Fed that has been sort of the lone holdout, the lone outlier on the top until this morning. The Kansas City Fed reported the manufacturing index went from 19 to minus one. Is that a typo, it was to go. It was actually expected to go from 19 to 20. So it was expected to go up. Is that a typo?
0: From 19 no, to negative it's, one? A, that's what? the thing.
1: The, the economy is really starting to fall off very quickly. And as we'll wrap this up and all this together, what we'll say is that this is not a surprise. The markets have been telling you for quite some time that this is happening. and It's not just happening. It's going to happen in relatively rapid fashion. When the yield curve first inverted, for example, back in March, you saw people say, oh, it's a recession thing, but thank God it's 18 months from now. You know, recessions are, yield curve inversion, that's that's a 2023, 2024 problem. When the euro dollar futures curve first inverted in December, the contract that inverted way the hell down the curve, December 24, March 2025, and people made the mistake of taking that literally As if the market was saying, oh, there's something to fear, but not until we get to 2025. No, the market was saying, hey, there's something going wrong here, something serious going wrong. We know it's serious because it moved these curves out of their upward sloping ideal shape, which takes a lot of effort, a lot of hedging, a lot of people to be pessimistic in order for that to happen. And those inversions have only spread through time, which is the market becoming two things more confident that this bad thing is happening, as well as more confident this bad thing is going to happen sooner rather than later. So as the euro dollar futures curve continues to invert closer and closer and closer into the reds, now into the whites, now into the 2022 contracts, that is not the euro dollar futures curve changing its mind. It is becoming more confident that recession is going to happen, maybe worse than recession is going to happen because this thing is happening, this, the changes in the curves are taking place quickly, which you have to take it into account as well.
0: The reading here is the lowest since May 2020. So the U.S. composite is the lowest growth, is the worst, second worst since July 2020. Now we're at the worst since May 2020 for the Kansas City Fed. And they report A slower pace of factory growth was driven by reduced activity at durable goods plants in June. Indexes for production, shipments, new orders, and order backlog declined, while inventory indexes increased slightly. Yikes. Jeff. Yeah,
1: that's the problem, right? Because we want inventory to be declining, too, as production. If inventories are still kind of increasing, that just means more production cuts are down the road, which is, of course, what markets are pricing there's one more one last thing I want to share, too, which is an update on something we've been tracking very closely here, which is container rates, container rates, particularly on the China East Asia to U.S. West Coast routes, because that's where Uncle Sam's nickels all went. They all went through Amazon.com to producers in China and then got stuck in that mess, the traffic mess They got stuck in the port mess going from China to the West Coast. To the point that container rates on that route just absolutely skyrocketed, they went to the moon at one point in last September. container rates on the u s the asia east asia china east, uh route to the u s west coast was over twenty thousand dollars, which is absolutely insane. normally it's like fifteen hundred so demand for containers was through the roof at the same time. It was very hard to move things around as of late February. Container rates had come down since last October, but not really much. And they had actually been rising December into January till it got to around 17,000 again. And then since late February, they've been sinking. They now, uh, I think as of the last update, they're under 9,000 per container, which is about the same price as it was last year, down you know, more than 50% from the peak. And here's the punchline, or here's the thing here. Up until now, this has been explained, or this is you know, rationalized, really, as if this was because China was Shanghai, the East Coast ports were locked down, they were closed off, the latest zero COVID policy being imposed throughout China, which to me never made sense because it's it's removing more supply, so you'd think the container prices were going up. But again, this was rationalizing. and So all the freight publications like Freighto's and others were saying, oh, once Shanghai reopens, container prices will rebound because there'll be another opening rush. There'll be another sort of frenzy to get goods moving from China to the United States West Coast. But that didn't happen. That little boomlet. And right right now is the peak part of the season, too. That little boomlet never happened. In fact, container rates continue to go lower and lower and lower. And as of the latest update, if if you don't mind, I'll read the quote from them. A recent survey of Freightos.com marketplace users shows that S&B importers are experiencing these trends, too. What trends are we talking about? More than half of respondents report they've placed peak seasonal orders early in hopes of building inventory. Two-thirds said they are already experiencing a decrease in demand, with 84% of those attributing that dip to what they say is inflation, but what we know is the oil price shock. So inventory plus weaker demand, it's not just Target, it's not just Walmart, it's manufacturing, it's widespread, it's domestic U.S., it's outside the United States. It is the inventory cycle that we had feared ever since last year. It is
0: outside the U.S. Trading economics lists the U.S. data, but it also mentions Canadian manufacturing sales fall the most in two years. They mentioned that Taiwan's jobless rate is at a seven-month high, that Taiwan retail sales slow in May, and that U.K. retail sales contracted for a third month. Industrial production in Taiwan also slows. That's it from us, Jeff. We'll keep track of everything and uh, let people know how the global economy is going in future shows.
1: Yeah, let's hope it goes in a different direction, because I think the question that markets are asking, up until recently, markets were saying, OK, if there's a recession, maybe what it looks like. We've moved way beyond the if part. We're now into not just when, but also how bad, how deep and how widespread. And as you just said, Emil. This is not a U.S. problem. It's not a Europe problem. It's not a China problem. It's a U.S., Europe, China, Japan, and everywhere in between problem.
0: I can't move on this way. When colors fade away, I have learned to paint the sky. My heartbeat runs.